The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com Welcome everyone to another week on the Custard TV podcast. It's Matt speaking to you again because Luke is away yet again. He has such a uh, a busy life at the moment. He's left me in charge and I'm joined by the ever-reliable Sarah. Ever-reliable, you're so <laughs> kind. Hello everybody. And uh, joining us for the first time actually in the flesh rather than just us reading her words, it's Deborah. Hi Deborah. how are you? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. How is everyone this week? Are we all right? Yeah, a bit chattered. I went to the gym this morning, so... (laughs) Well done. Now, Sarah, you were volunteering at at Pride the other week. How was that? Yes, it was so much fun. (laughs) Actually, absolutely knackering. And I left at about half past six. I thought, you know what? The night belongs (laughs) to the youngsters. I can't do this. (laughs) It literally did make me feel really proud. It was so lovely to see Birmingham come out for this parade and walking down the the high street the main street in town everybody in the parade just felt like celebrity and it was great really good i want people to stand and cheer on every route that i walk down now (laughs) and did you meet any of the the drag the drag race contestants because you i didn't no bag of chips was late and i couldn't wait any longer because i was so tired Um, Lola Lasagna was excellent though. She put on a great cabaret. I don't think I don't think she's a a drag race contestant, but she's one of the drag queens that keeps uh, the Birmingham scene going. You'd recommend going and and up up for it again next year. Oh, absolutely. It was just brilliant. I think it's one of the biggest pride events in the country and it's so much fun. Really, really good. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. On the show today, we have got the new ITV drama, Angela Black, uh, from the Williams Brothers. Uh, We've got Channel 4's new hybrid game show drama, Murder Island. We've got the latest foreign drama from BBC4, Paris Police 1900. And we're looking at uh, Greg Davis's BBC sitcom, The Cleaner, which has been on for a few weeks, but we thought we'd uh, talk about it now. Angela Black is the new ITV drama. It's starring Joanne Froggart and then Mikhail Huseman, I think. 
a Dutch actor um, who plays her husband, Olivier. They are a successful young couple with young children in a, one of those kind of grey box houses, you know, <laughs> with massive cold dining rooms and kitchens that people seem to really like on an ITV drama. The, yeah, the ITV drama house. Almost exactly like the house last Holling, week. Hollington Drive. Hollington Drive, yes. Yeah, I thought they might live on Hollington Drive. I thought yes, this might be a shared we, universe. <laughs> Next door neighbours. Number yeah. nine. Uh, inside number nine. <laughs> That's right, yeah, all in the same community. Yes. Olivier shows hints of dickishness from the very beginning. Um, <laughs> and then, is it pre-credits that he's already beating up his wife and knocking her tooth out? It's it's a very busy first ten minutes. Of yeah, this. it's within the first five minutes, isn't it? Poor Angela had had her tooth knocked out. Um, she covers up the beating ASAP, going off to the dentist, and really tragically, I think, blames her child for the injury, saying that her son knocked her tooth out accidentally with a door. So there's a lot of heavy-handed metaphors in this, because she works at a dog shelter. She's trapped in a cage with a frightened animal, or is she the frightened animal? Uh, she nearly unburdens herself to a stranger outside a pub at Halloween. Uh, we find out that she's also had previous serious injuries from her husband four months ago, and the last time she actually got the kids away from him, but she did come back. So Ed Harrison is this guy who is basically following her. Um, he says he's some sort of private detective or a fixer or something and says that he's been hired by her husband to dig up something serious on her or fake something nasty so that she doesn't get custody of the children. It's a pretty silly setup in my mind, but I, I really did believe in Ed's character. He seemed very earnest. Um, there's some sort of private history uh, that he's aware of. He uses the word Edgewater and she reacts, but we don't get any more information in this episode. Olivia is a total creep. He's just awful. He tries to pay his wife off with money under her pillow, like some sort of messed up tooth fairy. Um, he seems very proud of that. Seems absolutely ridiculous to me. I was a little bit worried about their rabbit because if you've got a murderous <laughs> household on TV, you've always got to keep a, an eye on the pets. As far as I can tell, the pet rabbit is still alive, but unfortunately, uh, the dog at the pound didn't make it. I know this is the big ITV drama, but I think myself, I thought that this programme was just trying far too hard to be atmospheric. The dialogue over that scene from Brighton Rock the weird close-up of a spoon in butter, the rotting roadkill in the street outside the house. It's trying to be a bit too horrific and a bit too scary when, you know, frankly, the situation that she's in is scary enough. And then I think there's a conversation to be had here about, is this another example of violence against women as entertainment? Or is it a valuable contribution to the conversation about domestic abuse? You know, I know what side that I'm going to take on that argument, but um, I'm willing to hear all sides. Um, so what did you guys think of it then? The way they dealt with the violence was actually quite good. It was off screen and that made it all the more horrific. You just see the tooth lying on the floor. And, you know, what you don't want to see is somebody actually taking, actually belting somebody. It's because A is hackneyed and B you don't want to see that at nine o'clock. But it doesn't make it any less sort of dangerous or frightening. Or uh, So I, I thought that actually worked quite well, that you don't see the actual thumping. It's, I, I quite enjoyed the literary illusion. You don't often get those on um, ITV dramas. That is very true. 
Uh, although you do get them on Coronation Street, which is not the reason it's so good. But um, <laughs> no, the, the little clip with Bright, of, of Pinky from Brighton Rock and Richard Attenborough, um, I thought that fitted quite well. It was what she's going through. He, I mean, he was a bastard and uh, this guy's a total horror. I found the, the husband very, very convincing actually because he's so smooth with everybody else so smooth they're the kind of people who do who do these kinds of things yeah they're the ones that get away with it they're not the ones with sort of like the wife beater shirts and the big muscles and you know comes yeah flying under the radar in society because they seem so successful charismatic isn't he yes he's very charismatic and he has that the kind of job that you expect him to have he's a developer i found him totally believable having met a couple of people very similar to that in my past life as a local journalist (laughs) the only person i'm not really convinced by yet is um ed um i just think what's his angle there, there yeah. is something. Edgewater, he seems, I don't know, is he going to use it against her? I don't know. I, I'm not convinced he's this avenging angel. No, not at all. I thought that was really quite cleverly done towards the end of the programme when he turns up at the back door in the driving rain and the darkness. Mm. Suddenly he's the one who's really quite sinister. Spoilers, he says that suddenly uh, Olivia has decided that Angela must die. So yeah. is Ed actually a hitman rather than an investigator, you know? Or a bit of both somewhere in the middle. Because yeah, exactly. he did say, didn't he, that he offered him money to set her up in some way. And I, I thought the money under the pillow was part of that, trying to set her up for something. But maybe I just misread that. Maybe it was just... Yeah, it didn't seem to make a great deal of sense until he explained it later on mm. as, as a way for her to buy something nice for herself or fund the trip to the dentist to get the new news. controlling isn't it normally you just hand somebody some money wouldn't you or say or take this card you know and, and maybe it's insinuating that it's happened before well they do mention obviously that it's happened before don't they that he's you know injured her ribs before and she could barely breathe so maybe it's something when he's done something similar in the past yeah he's left that money under the pillow and that's charming isn't he yeah (laughs) yeah it's a payoff it just feels it's bad anyway but it makes the whole thing seem even more sordid and the fact now he's wanting to have full custody and divorce her or at least again we're taking ed's word for this aren't we that Mm. that's what's happening and actually that feels a bit contrary to what we see on screen that he'd want full custody he seems to want this perfect ideal family doesn't he this sort of i live in this nice house with this pretty wife and and these two boys and you know this is the ideal really and and you know i i am in control i am the master of my domain really i think that's yeah. that's what it is i yeah. think for me and deborah obviously we watched made last week didn't we for the podcast and had similar themes of the domestic abuse and I think of the two I think made for me felt more realistic this as you say felt more dramatized more for this sort of the sake of advancing the plot you know as you say it does happen and and often it is these men who put on a front that behind closed doors it is it is like this but I just wasn't taken with it really I I I don't know I'm not massively into Joanne Frogger as a lead it seems that they often cast her to portray this victim don't they I mean they'll play victims well 
Yeah, liar, and and I believe in Downton Abbey wasn't wasn't she? A, a, a Her storyline was pretty tragic as well. Yeah, because she's quite a small, slight-looking, fragile blonde woman, and and yeah. that's the sort of parts that she gets cast for. And obviously, this is this is the Williams brothers as well who did liar. So maybe it's a, like we we. We like to have Joanne Froggart, you know, as our lead. I didn't buy their chemistry much either, I have to say. You know, that I didn't buy them as a... I don't know if, if you either either of you agree. I, I have to say, they did. it did look like he was slumming it. She, she seems very sort of um, working class. He's obviously not. Yeah, so they weren't a great match, I don't think. But of course, that just makes it easier for him to completely control her. And I have to say, I was expecting there to be more of a sort of a shock at the end of the first episode. I suppose what we got was, you know, Ed turning up in the garden at the end, didn't we? And saying all these things that the husband, Olivier, had had killed someone in the past. But I, I was expecting something more to happen, almost like one of the main characters would die or be injured. I don't know. It just felt like a bit that of a... happens in ITV. Yeah push them too fast <laughs> I think Do you reckon, I, so you I, like that ending I quite did you like that, that they're leading it to you it's it moved a bit further in the second episode but um mm -hmm. I, yeah I don't like too much at once I mean mm -hmm. we've also got to worry about what's happening to these poor children what's going to happen to them maybe they'll be sort of accidental casualties in this mm, well they're yeah. definitely going to be casualties but quite a good I, I don't normally like ITV series because they're far too melodramatic they mm. they seem to go out of their way not to make this so melodramatic as others without you know the, the very visual violence mm. it's very much under the surface yeah there's there's been a huge amount of um domestic violence going on during lo lockdown and of all classes and all Casts, you know, so it is yeah. timely. I was going to say it's it's it seems to be something that the perpetrator obviously wants to keep quiet, but it seems to be something that the victim wants to keep quiet, sort of through embarrassment or worry about whether the children are going to be taken away from her, or I don't know her public perception being altered in some way in people's minds, and that's that's really sad. That's but I'm sure that that is entirely accurate. And I think it does sort of play on to the theme from Liar that they were setting up about, you know. Who is telling the truth here after this, you know, this devastating rape? Who who's the one that's telling the truth and and the perceptions there? And I think yeah, it is. It's good to see this in a prime time drama because it isn't something that gets covered outside of possibly the soaps. But I think just in terms of the the plotting and the interest I have in it, I, I don't think I will be watching any more. Deborah, I think you will be. It, it seems I like you quite like this. I probably will because I. Yeah. I I do think she's very good. I like her. And um, unfortunately, I think this is it's so timely because this has been going on so much. And as I say, all classes, all kinds of people. And what about you, Sarah? Will you be watching more or? No, no <laughs> I really don't. Um, I don't know. I just didn't really connect with it. It probably is, as Deborah says, it's a timely conversation to have. But I just feel at this point, personally, I'm aware of domestic violence, thank you. If I'm going to see something about domestic violence, I think I want to see it from a female point of view, just for 
just for an, another voice in the in the conversation, I suppose. Just quickly going back to Maid last week, that was based on the memoirs of someone who was in a domestically abusive relationship. So I think that's maybe why it had more authenticity than perhaps, yeah. you know, the, the Williams brothers who are working off possibly third-hand accounts or things that's they've read it. about. I think so. maybe that's what I'm looking for. If it's going to be something that is going to be a traumatic and difficult watch, then... I'll, I'll take the authenticity, thanks. It is on Sunday nights on ITV. Next up is uh, Channel 4's experiment show. This is a, this is a very strange one. I've Mo- written it down as a, as a yeah. game show or a quiz show, but yeah, it's, it's a strange one. Isn't part it? game show, part crime drama. Now, I, d- I don't know if either of you remember this, but BBC One did something similar to this back in the early 2000s called The Murder Game. Sarah's nodding. <laughs> Yeah, vague like, recollection of it as well, and, and it was actually on primetime BBC One on a Saturday night. The murder game was, if I remember correctly. This is uh, Murder Island, so it's it is part crime drama because it's written by Ian Ranking, oddly, who I don't believe has ever written for TV before. But, so it's a murder mystery involving the murder of this uh, young lady called Charlie Hendricks. It's set on the island of Hersa, which is a island just off the coast of Scotland, I believe. Charlie has uh, links to the island. She went there a lot as a child. Uh, She's come back to the island recently. Uh, We're not quite sure why yet, what she was leaving behind, but she seems to quite quickly have got embroiled in a dispute that some of the locals are having over a lot of the land being bought up for a new resort and she's found murdered by one of the people who are on the island to try and convince the locals to sell their land and the murder is being solved by four pairs of amateur detectives people who think that they would make good detectives they're being led by real life former detective inspectors uh, the SIO on the case is a lady called Palm Sandu who is almost like the Simon Cowell of this and we've got two deputies as well Simon Harding and Gray McMillan and um, and it's essentially a mix of watching these pairs bumble their way through the investigation and we're seeing sort of what happened to the character of Charlie leading up to her death and and an odd choice I thought was to have Charlie narrate the yeah. <laughs> the, the piece as well. I talk sort of talking us through the couples solving her murder and this weird merge of the game show and, and the drama. Deborah, what did you make of this? Oh, I absolutely I cannot stand anything that is. Um, I don't like reality TV, basically. <laughs> I don't know. I I just kept thinking, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to have David Tennant stride in and say, now, any of you haven't got an equity card and did three years at drama school (laughs) or you, (laughs) you know, you you have some kind of acting uh, ability, go away. We're doing an in ranking. (laughs) Are you talking about the actual actors that they bought in or the the fact they shouldn't have had... um, no, just normal, ordinary members of the public in it. I mean, I, I don't think it... it I, I hate game shows, and that was a game show. And I, I like things to be scripted. <laughs> I, I if, if I'm going to watch something that's real, it's going to be a documentary or the news. I do not want to see real people otherwise. 
and I think the possibly the people that they chose as well I think they were cast specifically because it's a bit like The Apprentice isn't it you know yeah. they don't cast the people who are the most likely to succeed they're casting the people who are most likely to quote-unquote make the best tv I mean is that one of the things that you struggle with or sorry I thought they were quite good. although she did remind me of the home secretary and that <laughs> gave me a bit she gave me a bit they did their job quite well. They acted mm. the part much better than everybody else. <laughs> if they do solve the murder, the winning couple win £50,000 is the other thing. And actually, that none of them know who the who the murderer is. The coppers don't know. I was reading an interview with Ian Rankin and he didn't know. Actually, I read an interview with Palm Sandu who was saying they were doing their own investigation <laughs> saying that we need to solve this before they solve this sort of thing yeah. but yeah the two i don't know whether they were brothers or, or friends or they they looked like young coppers i have to say they looked like young so they at least did look the part the two old ladies well they just look like two old ladies and <laughs> um no i just oh no i just the two sort of um Girls. girls. Uh, oh my goodness, they didn't have a clue between them. You know, what was it Dot and Rock? Yes. I wrote, I wrote down the quote. One of them goes excitedly, Oh, the murderer has silver paint on his hands. And the other one goes, No, that's how they dust for fingerprints. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we knew we knew we were getting towards the bottom of the barrel scraping when they said that, oh, but it was it was it was were... charming because they both fell out laughing afterwards because they, know, they, they know how silly they are. Themselves, or whether they were prompted to say that as a sort of you know light-hearted funny moment, aren't they stupid? Ha ha ha. I don't know. I I, oh, don't... No, I think that's genuine. Andrew and Nick were the ones that you mentioned that at least looked the parts, but they were the ones who seemed to be the most nervous about asking questions. Yes. Um, that was quite interesting. Not only did they suck at crime scene investigation <laughs> because all four teams missed Charlie's diary, yes. a large amount of money in the house and a passport. <laughs> but when they actually got to investigating and interrogating people in the village, they were really bad at asking questions and listening to the answers. And they were asking closed questions because they're so nervous and far too shy when apparently they should be encouraging something called free recall, which is not a term that I was familiar with. But I think everybody is familiar with the detective just saying a little bit and leaving a silence for the guilty party to then fill and unburden themselves. Yes, I had a lot of detective friends a few years back and yes, they are taught to do that. Mm. It's quite a skill. Yeah, it is a skill. These contestants have not picked that up yet. But I think one of the things that didn't happen and possibly they needed was a bit of training before they just sort of bumbled their way in to try and be investigators. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, here you are, you're on this island, crack on. You know, they were given that advice by the coppers, uh, but they didn't listen to it. I mean, what, what were your thoughts on this, Sarah? Did this work for you or...? I really wanted it to work because it is like Hunted and it had these strange dragon's den elements to it, which I didn't mind at all. The detectives following them round and sort of like chipping in and watching them make mistakes and try to encourage them. And Ian Rankin's brilliant. Like the Rebus novels are wonderful. But oh, it was a murder mystery party weekend that's gotten a bit out of control. <laughs> I feel sorry for the cast because they have to act against normal real people that was hard <laughs> and it was there's not much space for big dramatic acting that you would expect from a, a murder drama it 
could so easily spill into hammy, tedious, awkward improv. And I think in this episode, we got quite a lot of that. Yeah. Um, no one seems to be having any fun. Even the contestants, apart from Dot and Rox, who would make each other laugh at all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just really anxious and on edge because then they know they're not doing a good job. And the poor actors you know, the 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 pub landlord and landlady and the Hamish and the, you know, the shopkeeper and stuff like that. There's just not much for them to go on. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's lacking. It's the definitely... evil man from the corporation who's come in to slay oh, the local. With, uh, with the injured hand that's obviously yeah. significant because everybody reads the books and we know what it's about. <laughs> I think that everybody understands that we've got a especially in this country and certainly in America, there's an ongoing true crime fascination mm-hmm. with a quiz show elements and the heritage of hundreds of years of armchair detective history. It's a bit messy around the edges at the moment, isn't it? You're right. You nailed it there, Sarah. It's like a murder mystery <laughs> weekend mm-hmm. thing, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I, like you were saying, though, it's that sort of cosy murder element, that Agatha Christie thing, you know, that that murder that's sort of like two or three steps removed from real life that we can enjoy as sort of a intellectual exercise. But that thing where Charlie is doing her own narration was really clunky to me. Mm. It kind of like made me gasp, but not in a good way. That was was just a weird choice. Yeah, I wonder if they put that in to try and make it cosier and add another step removed from reality, but it it did the opposite for me. I didn't like that. And again, Ian Rankin, and and he's writing this, and you're like, surely he would have said, no, that's really dumb. Yeah, it's really cheesy. Um, And and I think they do try and make you care about these these couples. I know that Sarah and Richmond, wasn't it? And you had Sarah who said, you know, she studied criminology... And she wanted to go into this line of work, but could never find a graduate job. That's your reason to root for them. And as you mentioned, Andrew and Nick, I think it's Andrew whose dad and granddad are both detectives. So there's like the link there. And he's obviously not inherited that knack for for it. And then you've got, as you say, the two the two older ladies, Christy and Caroline, who are wannabe Miss Marples, really, aren't they? They're saying we yeah. don't we don't want to be underestimated and. I suppose, I, I don't know, if, if none of them solve it, which it doesn't look like any of them are, do they just keep the money channel for or do they have to give it to someone? Do you, do you think the police could be team number five? <laughs> I think, I think they, they're they not could allowed to the, do that. They could give the winnings to charity. Mm. I think we're all in agreement. Just things didn't really marry together very well. I think no. that's sort of our, our no, general... It was a it was a great idea, badly executed, but... I still have hope. I have faith. <laughs> so I, I will be watching the next Oh, you'll episode. be watching? Oh, that's a surprise. Uh, I won't be, and I don't think Deborah will be yeah. either. I don't think this was okay. up yours. So you're not a fan of anything reality TV? No, you I won't watch, like, like a Hunted or something like that or nothing? I, I actually, I do have a, a sneaking admiration for Gogglebox, but that's basically because of the, the voiceover, oh. which is so funny. <laughs> you, you can't not like Gogglebox, though, you I think. You can't yeah. not like that. No, I mean, no. Yeah. It's re- I wouldn't say that. That's reality. I think they call it what constructed factual constructed or something. Factual. Yeah, that, that, I, I, I give that an honourable exception yeah. because it can be entertaining. Yeah, that's less manufactured, isn't it? They're just pointing a the camera in the yeah, yeah, in yeah. someone's living room. So 
you know, there's a lot less manufactured as you do get in some reality shows. Something completely different now. Well, I suppose we've got the the criminal element to it. Paris Police 1900, which is BBC Four's new uh, Saturday night foreign drama. Uh, it is all available on the iPlayer now. Deborah, do you want to just set us up the, the basic plot to this? Yeah, real story. Uh, the Dreyfus case. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. Deck your home with Blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Went on for a long while. It was a it was a, a case that completely separated all factions in, in um, the the Third uh, Republic. And this this comes at I think uh, the second time they tried Dreyfus was um, coming up to 1900. So you're right slap bang in the middle of this period where you know that again he's being tried and um, they want to send him off to Devil's Island and so on. And a lot of these people in in it actually ex- existed. The uh, commissioner Le Pen, yeah, he is he's real. And also, yes, uh, the president died exactly the same way as, as they show you. <laughs> wow. They, well, so they say they certainly know he died of a stroke. Um, all of a sudden. Too many strokes. If, exactly. <laughs> so this has long been the, the sort of <laughs> the idea that people wanted to have. Of, yeah, that's how he went. <laughs> He went with a smile on his face. Yes, exactly. But he was a bit useless anyway. Well, basically, there was nobody else to be president who wasn't completely divisive. So he took over. He was completely ineffectual. So no great loss. These characters are all real characters. And um, it was, for me, was a nice mix of history and the spiral team, I thought even even some of the music sounded very spiral. There, so um, I, I did find it quite enchanting. Really, it looked beautiful as mm. well. I think I think the actual set dressing was fabulous. It looked real. This is one of the key sort of moments in 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 French history, and uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm not sure who, whether you're going to be want to watching the ambitious young detective um, Antoine. He's sort of the one who's wanting to push the policing forward, isn't he? I think that's the the key here is that there's a lot of officers who are 
keen to just stick with the status quo. Incredibly lazy, yeah. Incredibly yeah. lazy, incredibly corrupt, corrupt, you know. Misogynistic you know. as well, of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a big theme here, wasn't it? <laughs> the, the, the female characters got disrespected or killed or, yeah. you know, you mentioned quite a few of the real life characters. I believe yeah. the courtesan as well. Is it Marguerite? Oh, yeah, she exists. Yeah, she existed. Who... Con into being, yeah, to working for them as a spy. What? She existed. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you there, Deborah. It does look fantastic. And obviously a lot of money has been spent in, in oh, yeah. sort of recreating the time period. A lot period. of money was spent purely using the fog machine. I think there was missing <laughs> <laughs> Foggy London streets, similar to Foggy Paris streets, yeah. Yeah. There were quite a few visceral scenes there, as you mentioned, the the quite shocking attack on this Jewish news agent and his son burning his papers. Obviously, the the big theme here is the anti-Jewish sentiment in, in turn of the century France and these two competing papers the Gurin family and and this hor- this horrible demonstration where they slaughter a pig in front of an audience. I initially felt that this would have a bit of a sense of humour about it because obviously there's the opening scene with the death of the president, which is presented yeah, quite funny. humorously. This isn't going to be funny, I don't think. <laughs> no, and then well, then they had the arrest of the woman who you know was cheating on her husband, and I thought when they interviewed the guy she was having the affair with, and he, he was just like, I can't help it, I'm I'm that handsome that women yes. <laughs> want to sleep with me, and I thought, oh, well, there's going to be. Yeah. some element of dark humour here it just dissipated the disappeared after about yeah. half didn't it yeah and, and then you just got brutal scene after brutal scene this yeah. you know they, they managed to get this woman out of prison the the idealistic cop helped with that uh but then she was being beaten and eventually yeah. she was just returned to a home that wasn't yeah. safe yeah as you say, you know, this this constant, you know, if you're a woman, then, you know, there's this woman who peers with the news agent, I believe, and says she's a lawyer and just gets laughed out of the police station. I don't know. I, I liked the style of it. You know, there's memorable scenes in there. I, I think the problem for me was I didn't really remember the names of any of the characters. Yeah, you need that sort of proxy. And it was very much almost a let's follow this character for a couple of minutes. Now we're with this character. I think yeah. the person that it's going to sort of centre on, as you mentioned, was that it's going to be the young copper as well as Lapan, did you say the the former commissioner with his lovely little moustache and his, his penchant for hunting yeah was it a bullet that his wife had taken out of the because they were eating That's right yeah they were shooting yeah, rabbits yeah, with yeah, shots. Yeah, yeah. mad about shooting stuff he actually was mad about killing mm. killing well, animals it's another, it's another program where you don't want to be an animal or else you'll end up in a heavy-handed <laughs> metaphor don't don't want to be an animal or a woman. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, both, both are liable to get uh, butchered at any moment. Zola wrote about, you know, these these women who were, I mean, in in Nana, you know, she was a courtesan because she had to be. Uh, it was a way that they, uh, I mean, I wonder, I'm just wondering if Zola's going to come into it. I haven't seen much past the second episode, mm. but I certainly be sticking with it. I suppose because I know the, the the era and I I studied it. Zola's my, he's my man, you know. Far better than Dickens ever was. <laughs> he wrote about the same sort of strata of society. He looked upon it as somebody would now, as um, a social scientist. He, it wasn't sort of very twee in the way that Dickens was. He he was a realist. It's kind of like Zola mixed with Spiral. Mm. <laughs> that's all. That's what. How so I'm, this is what you're saying. It's made for you, basically. This one, Debra. Uh, you're. 
it's, it's up your street, definitely. It's, it's things that you're interested in. It's a period I know. I did yeah. uh, I did French, uh, I, so I didn't need the subtitles, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I haven't got to the... I don't know if it all... Are all six episodes on there? I um, think they are, yeah. I yeah, think they're I, all on the iPlayer. I will definitely um, be actually going to the end of that, whereas I won't be bothering with the... Uh, <laughs> the murder <laughs> Island. Yeah, I, I will not do that. Yeah. Deborah prefers Murder Paris. <laughs> I think I'd heard the word Dreyfus, but I knew nothing about the trial or the reasons why, you know, he was in trouble in the first place or who he was. So I feel like that wasn't explained for me quite enough. I could have done with a little crib sheet at the beginning. Canal Plus. I don't know why I always have to pronounce it like that, but I do. Canal Plus, I find is always a mark of quality films and TV. Like you say, I felt like it, I had to be paying close attention to figure out who people were, especially because the costume of the period, men dressed all the same, women kind of dressed all the same as well. We were introduced to these characters too quickly for me to make a real impression. But now we've had the line of duty final five minutes of horrible bloodshed. Maybe the programme can calm down a bit and tell these people's stories, in which case I would be open to figuring out what happens and staying with it. And I think, as you were saying, the young inspector Antoine, it feels like this episode is like his origin myth. If he is going to become a central character and he is going to be able to shake up the police force a little bit in his own way. So you, you are going to at least try one more, is what you're saying on this? Uh, episode, or... Oui, oui. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Maybe yeah. if I studied hard at French, then I'd be a little better at figuring out what was going on. Uh, it doesn't often happen, especially in modern crime drama, mo oh, modern dramas, um, where they have um, French subtitles. This was very accurate. What they were saying was actually what was on the subtitles, whereas nowadays you get a lot of sort of slang and so on that you think, hang on, they didn't say that. <laughs> that's, that's really, really good to know. That gives me even more faith in uh, the production company and in BBC4 as well. I know subtitles have been a hot topic on the internet in recent weeks because of Squid Game and the, the failings of closed yeah. captions and subtitles on Netflix. So I always thought that BBC4 would go to the right people and get the subtitles accurate but you never know because I can't compare the two so it's really good that you said that. Nothing really sort of struck me about it as I say I liked the style of it I, I, I thought that they did well with some of the the set pieces but I think the characters were a bit lacking for me there was no one that I really wanted to spend that much time with uh, so so I won't be continuing with this. And finally, something that doesn't have a lot of violence and murder. Well, a little bit of murder, I suppose, post-murder. <laughs> uh, is Quite a is, lot of murder, let's be yeah. honest. Well, I, I mean, I've watched the first two of these. There's one murder and one sort of explosion, I suppose, wasn't it? It's The Cleaner, it's a new uh, BBC sitcom, and Sarah will lead us through it. This is the new Greg Davis sitcom that I think has been out for about three weeks now. It's all available on iPlayer. Um, I think, unfortunately for Greg, it came along at a time when we were watching a lot of other really, really good comedies. So this one was sort of left to the side a little bit. But the more I read about this, the more interested I became in watching it. So it's a remake of a really successful German series. They've had six series of it. Um, and let me just uh, attempt the German here. It's called... Der Tator Treiniger, which means the crime scene cleaner in German. Deborah, um, have you got German as well as French? I've is that so? As well, to eight, to eight, yeah. <laughs> so well, that... if I got it wrong, then I blame Google because that's where I got the pronunciation. <laughs> you got, 
You got I the thumbs up there, so, you know, I think you did all right. My Spanish is better than my German or French put together. OK, so this is Paul Wicky Wickstead, who is a crime scene cleaning technician responsible for the removal of any signs of death from the crime scenes that he's called to. This is episodic. It's a half hour sort of bottle episodes. Um, it does seem very theatrical, very ambitious. It's two handers, essentially, even though other characters pop up. It's Greg and his co-star who are the main people throughout these. It's like a little play. It's beautifully shot. It feels like the money was well spent, not just on the big name cast. So I watched the first two as well. And Helena Bonham Carter was Sheila, the terrifying murderous widow who stabbed her husband in a frenzied attack after a miserable life with him. Uh, she's on the edge of madness throughout, which really doesn't feel like Helena Bonham Carter is being stretched at all. Um, and David Mitchell, as well as the pompous author Terence, who's disconnected from his own life because he's so busy using every emotional moment for his novel. Again, felt like a relatively easy job for David Mitchell there as well. Yeah. There was some scatological stuff in episode one, which was a bit much for me personally, but pleasingly silly. Um, and then there was a very beautiful duet between the two as well, which I wasn't expecting. I've seen the show described elsewhere as an acquired taste, quite weighty for a half hour comedy. And I think that's probably right. But maybe that betrays its German origins, a country that we don't typically associate with humour. But then I think that's just a slightly xenophobic stereotype. Um, so when it comes to death, melancholy and darkness absolutely go hand in hand with comedy. Um, and I think Greg Davis pulls this off really, really well. Perhaps it does deserve more praise and more airtime than it's getting. Because I've, I've not actually seen it. Is it is it BBC Two? Because I've not seen it in the schedules. It's oddly, it's BBC One on Friday nights, which yeah, feels like a really it? odd place to put it up, you know, up against Gogglebox, as we've yeah, talked I'm about Gogglebox already. But that's, that's why I've just not seen yeah. it in the schedules. I think it would fit better on a BBC Two where they're... they're, they're darker comedies yeah are more, maybe a know, sort of monday or tuesday night thing yeah, like inside number nine yeah. at sort of 10 p.m would would be just the thing for it what were your thoughts deborah on this pretty much the same the antagonist protagonist idea it works well it's quite uh claustrophobic almost he gets into these houses with these you know he never knows what he's walking into that's i mean i've seen all of them now and they're all very different mm very different characters that he comes up against the first and second one okay yeah you you're shocked to see Helena Bonham Carter there but um yeah it, it's it it's a good curtain raiser the best one for me was the one called the aristocrat and I'm not going to do any spoilers for you but it reaches some real emotional highs and and lows and it's 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 very very upsetting at one point and quite a shock ending and stephanie cole is he just she just gives a master class in acting in comedy acting together what i like about the fact um that he's taken on this very wordy tragic comedy there's no throwing himself about and slapstick like there was in man down because man down i found very wearing but no, this actually is, you get into deep emotions, don't you? You get into, yeah. it's, as I say, can be quite claustrophobic, but that works for the comedy. And also, as you say, there's there's a lot of tragedy there as well. Mm. 
I was not sold on the idea at first, but when I started watching it, I watched it to the end. I thought, yeah, no, that's good. It is absolutely the sort of thing that I could have watched in an in an evening, definitely. Yeah. If I had the emotional readiness for it. <laughs> yes, yes. Of the two that I've watched, the first two, and it's interesting, Debbie, you say that those two are the curtain raiser and it gets better in quality as it goes on. Yeah. Um, I I thought the first one was a little bit too much for me. The Helena Bonham Carter performance, the duet, the fantasy yeah, sequence. She was a bit real diva, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, the kind of person who you couldn't say, Helena, can you just tone it down a bit? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I I think they it felt like oh we're really lucky to have her in this. Let's just mm-hmm. sort of let her do her thing and we won't give him any notes and it didn't really work for me all that much but I think David Mitchell and Greg Davis obviously possibly already know each other from the comedy circuit so have got that relationship and I think that episode I really liked where you know you just saw his frustration every time you heard him make a noise in the next room and and you know I suppose his attitude towards his grandmother's death as well was quite Mm -hmm. interesting the way he was just I like how it's not clean cut, you know, I like how it's tragic, it's death, it's complicated and all that is true and I find it impressive that they've managed to to keep those emotional beats so real in what is quite a silly outlandish comedy. Mm. I also really like how Wiki is quite pompous himself because society underappreciates him, uh, dismisses him as just a cleaner when actually he's a very scientifically minded specialist. Yeah. But also he's got that outside of work. He's a, a curry and pint loving lad, 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 you know. Um, and I thought it was quite interesting because it did feel like a sort of continuation of Greg Davis's kind of comedy range because he's done this thing before. And I think there's elements of it in the other character that he's played in Man Down and Cuckoo, the sort of creeping sadness and futility of a small life and how these big things come in and upset it. He's one of those stand-ups who can do those sort of tragic elements in the comedy as well. And of course, he's got his physical size on his side that he he uses quite frequently as a punchline. And then there was that in the second episode with the bookcase that kept falling down and the cats and things like yeah. that. And I think those moments for me when it got a little bit too silly, I think possibly lost me a little bit. But I, I think it is deeper than it than it possibly seems yeah. from the advertising and, and everything like that. And uh, and and you do get those things. And, and I think that episode as well, the second one with the writer, where it's about, are you going to be remembered? Have you left your mark? And I think that is something that he's sort of struggling with in that episode, the Greg Davis character. So, yeah, I will definitely seek out more of this. And I think, it, you know, you've recommended one to us there, Deborah, which it's, it's good because you don't really have to watch them in order or it is good they're like half hour plays aren't they more or less like two-handers and and again like uh paris please this is all on uh the iplayer now or friday nights at nine i want to say or 9 30 one of them we'll have to have a look for that because we're yeah check your local (laughs) listings or or your um device of choice but yeah and it does it just seems an odd place to put it really because it doesn't feel as broad as some of bbc one's other sitcoms yeah. like King Gary yeah. or something like You're that. Quite right. Maybe maybe it's because Greg Davis is now a big name. Yeah. They thought pop him in the in the BBC One slot, that'll be fine. But this is a strange beast it of a programme. Number nine slot. That mm. kind of mm. slot that had it's Yeah, that would have been perfect. Mm. And wasn't it so much better than you were expecting? Yes. Oh, so much better than oh, I was expecting. Well, I was expecting Man Down Mark Two, but it wasn't. Yeah. Man Down, though, was very much sort of semi-autobiographical, was it not? 
there was elements there that they did have the emotional beats occasionally especially um with the rick male character (laughs) but it was mainly it was like 99 percent silly as far as i remember exactly Very silly, yeah. I mean, I think Mike Wozniak was the MVP of Man Down for me. But. Yeah, definitely. Thanks both of you for for joining me today. I hope you hope you've enjoyed it. Deborah, thank you for well, the first time on the show. Get on, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Technology <laughs> was on your side this yeah. week. And Sarah, thank you as ever for joining us for being Always available. Been, yeah. <laughs> uh, has anyone got anything they'd like to plug? Any writing? Any anything else? No, not really. No. No, Sarah. find me at, at Sarah Hamstera on Twitter. Um, exciting developments coming. Can't oh. say anything at the moment. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> Recent review of Alma's Not Normal on the on the Custard TV as well. Let's, let's That's right. That. If you haven't gone on to Alma's Not Normal, I love yet, it. do it. it. <laughs> Deborah loves it. Matt and, loves it. Luke and I've watched it. it I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant and broke my heart in some places as well. So yeah, so I haven't watched the last episode yet. I'm kind of keeping it. Oh, you haven't? No. Oh, you uh, must. <laughs> yeah, and um, on Twitter, Deborah, you're at Shrewd Kitty. Yeah, I mean, I'm never on Twitter, but at Matt's TV Bites for me. Um, we will be back next week because we have got the big uh, season three premiere of Succession next week. <sighs> <laughs> My favourite. I Someone's love it. looking forward to that. And also um, American Crime Story Impeachment as well. Um, I'm not sure that should be looking really Looking forward good. to that. With Clive Owen as Bill Clinton, oddly. I can see that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find um, us at thecustardtv.com or on your uh, podcast app of choice. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that. And, yeah, speak to you soon. Thank you very much, uh, both of you, for joining us today. Thanks, bye. bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.